What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the I'm a Tell It Like a T.I.S. podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Wednesday, May the 5th, the year 2021. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this midweek program as we uh, enter the first week of the month of May. Uh, give you my thoughts on the New York Knicks, who have clinched themselves their first uh, plus 500, a better season for the first time in the, in the last eight or nine seasons. We'll talk about the uh, New York Knicks in this program, talk about the Astros and the New York Yankees and that uh, fiasco that was on Tuesday night down at the Bronx as the Astros making their first trip in the Yankee Stadium since the verdict came down with them uh, getting punished for their uh, sign-stealing uh, cheating uh, scandal back for their during their 2017 quote-unquote championship season. Give you And I promise you guys I also would give you my uh, two cents on my Bengals uh, as far as the 2021 NFL draft is concerned. And we got lots to do here on this Wednesday program. A little of this, a little of that, some NBA, a little bit of baseball, and the NFL with my Cincinnati Bengals. But before we get to any of that, um, this day, May the 5th, is a very... It's a special day. It's it's a, it's a, to you know just to put it uh, to put it bluntly. May fifth, May fifth is a special day um, to me and to my family, um, and it's it's also it's also a day where many uh, people of accomplishment have uh, been born on this day. May the fifth, uh, the one and only Chris Brown, who turns thirty two today, he. Uh, has a birthday on May 5th. Adele is born on this day as well. She turned 33 today. Danielle Fischel of uh, Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, who played um, Topanga, she turns uh, she turns the big four zero uh, on this day here on May the 5th. Um, the and then of course the late Kobe Bryant. God rest his uh, wonderful soul. His uh, his wife Vanessa is also born on May the 5th as well but um, and all those are very important people in their own right and they all three of those people have contributed uh, something uh, positive one way or another to society and also the former Orioles radio uh, broadcaster Joe Angel is also born on this day uh, Mr. Wave That Baby Bye Bye from uh, Colombia the great country of Colombia the great Joe Angel the, uh, the soundtrack of my Childhood as an Orioles fan, growing up as a kid, up until about uh, two, three years ago when he announced his uh, retirement from broadcasting. His birthday is also on May the fifth. And while all those hold significance, and it, and at least with and at least with Joe Angel, that person holds a, you know very near and dear to my heart. And and Vanessa Bryant and Chris Brown and Adele and Joe Angel have all made their uh, little. Um, Positive contributions to society during their uh, t- during their time here on this earth up until this point, but there's no birthday in my eyes that uh, that is more important to me and it's more special to me. And what makes this day makes this day May the fifth more special is the fact that my younger brother Ian Shields was born on this day, uh, Wednesday, May the May the fifth the year 2000 
and four. Uh, he came into this world. He came into this world at uh, at nine forty a.m. on Wednesday of two thousand four, seventeen years ago. Six pounds, eleven ounces, a near seven pound baby. Which, you know, if you know what he, if you know him in person, if you see what he looks like now, it makes sense because this man is literally built like a freight train. Uh, so it makes sense that he nearly was a seven, that he nearly was a seven pound baby. And it's funny because out of the three of us, me and my younger sister, he actually was the lightest baby of being born at six pounds and 11 ounces here on a Wednesday. And now 17, uh, May, 17 Wednesday, 17 years, 17 years of May the 5th. And we finally circle back around to the actual day of the week that he was born on. And that is a Wednesday. My brother, my first friend, my first best friend, my partner in crime for the for about a year for about a year and a few months until my younger sister was born. Everything he saw me do, he copied. He followed. He followed me everywhere I went as a kid. Um, you know, the guy I pl- play sports with outside, play video games with, shared many many a year, shared a bedroom with. My younger brother, the one and only, and he joins us here on this Wednesday afternoon. My one and only brother, happy 17th birthday to my brother, Ian Shields. Ian, how are you today, pal? Okay. Uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, got me smiling. Um, I'm good. Uh, a lot of people wish me happy birthday today. Uh, just feels good knowing people in your life uh, who care about you and Love to see you succeed. Just, it's a good day. Um, gonna enjoy this day the most if I can. Didn't like going to school today. A little life, Ian. You sound monotone. It's your birthday. Loosen up, lighten up a little bit, yeah? I'm, I'm lightened up. Uh, just didn't want to go to school today. But just had to do what I had to do. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, 17, you know. I remember, what was that? My turn 17. Two years ago, 2019, remember it like it was yesterday. Um, how does it feel? I mean, you feel you feel older. You feel, you know, this is you. You know, this is your last year. You know, as a minor. Next year, the big one eight. You're officially, uh, you're officially an adult. You know, according to the state of Maryland and the U.S. government. So, uh, how does you know how do how you how you feeling? You feel older. You feel. Feel you feel a little wiser. You feel a little different than you did yesterday. Let me let me hear. Uh, actually, this morning when I woke up, uh, I was normally I sleep until like eight ten to get, get into school. But today, uh, just woke up early. Woke up at seven forty because my power actually went out for a little while, just for like a couple minutes, and I had to reset my alarm clock and everything. But I feel the same as I did yesterday. Uh, Honestly, without like if you can show me the day, I still feel sixteen. It's crazy that I am seventeen right now. Um, it's crazy how you just uh, brought up how this time next year I'm turning one eight, and it's just that uh, some of years have just been a blur. Some of years have gone by slow. It's just it's fortunate and blessed just to make it this far. Um, Still 17 years old. Um, hopefully, I got a lot more years stuff to come. But uh, just grateful that I get to see another day. What 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 are the plans for the 17th birthday? May I ask? Um, don't know. Uh, 
Probably gonna open up gifts. Uh, probably a little late into the day. Probably gonna hoop later on today. Still fairly early in the day. It's about maybe what two, closer to two thirty. So I'll probably hoop around four. Um, yeah, and that'll be it. And I'll probably be down to my day. Probably eat dinner later on. But uh, yeah, that'll be it. What well, uh, anything special you're anticipating to happen today? Just get some good gifts. Um, hopefully get what I asked for. <laughs> get what I wanted uh, not what you think I want but just what I would like what do you what so let's transition now uh, first how's that tell the audience give the audience a little feel of how because you've been virtual the entire school year give the audience a feel of what it's been like essentially spending an entire school year from September up to soon to be June doing online schooling and and missing out on playing sports and a lot of social activities and things of that nature. Give the audience a little feel of uh, how you've been managing that over the past year. Um, it's definitely been tough. Um, I haven't, haven't even had a birthday really in school because ninth grade, my birthday was on a Sunday last year. Didn't go to school because of COVID and again this year. Um, uh, schooling just in general is different. Um, right now, I'm probably the only one online for most of my classes. A couple people, a couple classes, other people online, but uh, most of the time, I'm by myself. Uh, it's different not seeing any of my friends, not playing any sports, but just that I just got to sacrifice short-term for the long-term. I can't afford to get COVID. I hate being sick in general, as you know me better than anybody else. Um <laughs> During the school year, I get fairly sick most of the time just because I'm slapping hands, hugging, uh, you know, you got, sometimes people forget to wash their hands, which is disgusting after they use the bathroom. People come to school sick, so just to, I, just, I just didn't want to take the risk of getting COVID because people are saying COVID, COVID's worse than having the flu because I had flu B a couple, about a year ago in February before COVID actually happened. And I uh, didn't like it, didn't like the feel of it. I was out for school for about uh, two weeks, so hey, that's how long you're going to be down for with COVID. I just didn't want to do it. Uh, yeah, I miss playing football. Yeah, I miss playing baseball. But it's just something you just got to sacrifice the short term for the long term. Um, you may not like this, what I'm about to say, because I know sometimes, again, you never want to talk about them. But like Russell Wilson says, you just got to... Whatever you sacrifice today is going to be reward for tomorrow. So what I'm doing right now is I'm just, just getting better in the gym, uh, getting faster, getting stronger, but still staying safe right now. I hear you. I hear you anticipate being, because you've got, if take you got your vaccine, you got your first shot of the Pfizer last week. Give the audience a feel about that. Um, When it went in, it, it felt like a normal shot. It's, feel kind of wet it pause when I say that when, when you're on like you feel like something was actually going in uh, I haven't had a shot in a while but um towards like the later on for the day you could feel your shoulder just getting tight so like if you don't like the pain or anything you can just probably just massage it and just stretch out your shoulder so it doesn't get all tightened up because it will get tightened up where like you can't lift your arm up to like do just basic things like if you just want to reach up to the cabinet, it's gonna feel pain just in your shoulder right then and there. 
By the way, Adele is 33 years old. I don't know who was behind that asinine and dopey famous birthdays website, but Adele was born in 1988, not 1981. So she's 33 years old. Want to get that on the board before you all come screaming and yelling at me? You may continue. Yeah, but uh, it, sometimes you gonna sometimes some people feel pain. Some people don't. Uh, I know I felt a little bit of pain just to my shoulder. You could feel it tightening up. But um, you just you, if you don't like the pain, you can just rub it out. But definitely, if you have the opportunity to take the vaccine, take it. Cause um, not taking the vaccine if you don't have if you have the opportunity is selfish. Cause you're not thinking about other people. Um, family members could get sick, which is a COVID. Just in general, fighting, just speak, like say you, family members a nurse or a doctor or something. Um, and when they need you the most, you get down with COVID. So then you affect the little children who may be, what, five or six years old. Um, you know, we have uh, an aunt who um, who is vaccinated, but, like, her, uh, her, her daughter and her husband got COVID. So imagine if they weren't vaccinated. They would got the little kids sick and everybody else would have been sick in that household because they... All live together, so it's just if you have the, if you gotta take the proper precaution, you gotta take it because no one wants to be in here in this house forever. So the longer you're putting off, not taking the vaccine, you're just keeping everybody else and yourself inside for longer. So absolutely. Um, give uh, when's your second shot? I think it is next. It's the nineteenth of May, so I don't know if that's two weeks. Okay. Two weeks from now. Okay, gotcha. Um, what would you say to anybody out there that's hesitant to take the vaccine? Um, you know, um, if you're religious, um, I know I am. Just, just pray about it. Um, ask God just to, to see where you're hard and just talk to Him about it, cause not not everything's gonna be easy. You know, everybody has questions and doubts but when you take that leap of faith in that first step you know you're gonna, gonna feel better about it just because you're helping other people and you're helping yourself and not to get uh, sick but if you do get vaccinated it's not you're not immune you still gotta be safe you know wear a mask even though you're still vaccinated it just lowers the chances of you getting covid but just everybody just continue to be safe um if you're hesitant about it um it's okay to be hesitant about it, but just, you know, don't be so close-minded on not taking the vaccine. Uh, keep your mind open, just like how you talk about a discussion about sports, school, anything. Just always keep your mind open. Don't keep your mind always shut. Gotcha. Um, let's get. Uh, how does it feel? How did before we get to sports? How does it feel as far as your Seahawks? And if you want to get into the Orioles, go ahead. Um, how does it feel not being able to participate in your school sports because of because of the pandemic? Um, it's definitely different. Something that I miss because I had my baseball season cut short. Um, last year, so I didn't get the chance to play my first high school baseball game. It's another year I'm missing out. It's another year uh, if I I could lose my spot next year uh, when I do go back to school because someone else is already, um, you know, someone else, the coach already had the eye on somebody else. 
uh, while I wasn't there and I was being safe. So it's it's definitely a risk you have to take, but it's what I do with it. Would I go back to school if I could redo it all over again? No, because my health is what's important. Uh, forget school, forget the sports and everything after high school, like after college, after everything. Uh, Forty years from now. I'm not gonna be playing sports like that unless I'm Tom Brady, but it's it's about your health. And if I'm compromising my health at age sixteen, seventeen, not being safe and everything, then what are you, what are you really doing? You're just breaking your chances of dying, you know. Especially like if you do have diabetes, um, asthma or anything else, or even cancer. Or you just survive cancer, it's it's just the weak your immune system is the Likely, the high likelihood you're gonna die from COVID. Let's get to your Seattle Seahawks. Yes, sir. Before we get to the draft, what what was what was what was your thoughts on all the hubbubaloo that took place essentially after the Super Bowl about Russell Wilson's displeasure with the Seahawks and the trade rumors and. All the garbage and the nonsense that took place for the for for about a month after Super Bowl Fifty Five, as far as Russell Wilson. Um, definitely, I was not worried. A lot of people are gonna say I was, but I wasn't. Towards the end, I was getting kind of nervous because there's more things coming out and everything. I didn't want to talk about it, but I I knew he wasn't leaving. The teams that he named were stupid. You could tell that he wasn't gonna leave because he named the Bears, the Raiders. All these horrible, the Cowboys, all these other people, all these other teams that really um, don't have what we have. Talked about he wants to go to a line, not gonna find out in Dallas unless you go back to 2014. You you want at least good defense, you know, to hold people after you score. You're not gonna find that in L.A. in Las Vegas, or um, not gonna find that you're gonna find it in Chicago, but Chicago has no offense, you know, so. Right, right here is where he's gonna stay for a long time. That's where he belongs. He's got um, a better defense than not too unfortunate, not leaving a boom defense behind him. But he's got a fairly good defense with Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, uh, a couple people we signed in uh, off season. Just a lot of a good, a lot of good players. I know Richard Sherman can't answer all times. Never be another one of those guys. Hopefully, Richard Sherman, you know, comes back to Seattle, but. He's got Tyler Lockett. He's got DK Metcalf. He doesn't have a horrible O line. His O line could be better, you know. But he's not. Not every play he's running for life. He, most of the, some of the times he, he's he he's able to you know. Have protection. Sometimes he holds on to the ball for too long, and that's what happens when you're mobile. Because instead of what he's doing, he's not, he's not going outside the pocket to run. He's going outside the pocket to extend the play and to pass. So when you're looking to pass the football, that means you're gonna hold on to the ball a uh, a lot a lot longer, and you're gonna risk the likelihood of taking sacks. Um, same thing with Lamar. Lamar, Lamar's risking taking sacks because he's so mobile. He's not as bad as um, Russell because he has two good tackles, right tackles and left tackles, and that's probably one of the most important things of the line because. One of those tackles is protecting your blind side, and that's most of the time where you're getting hit from. Because if you if it's coming from the guards or from um to tackle defensive tackles, you can most likely see that you can escape and go around. But with the with the tackles and everything, offensive tackles, you can't really 
you know, you, uh, your blind spot, you can't see that. You just gotta trust your, one of your tackles just to double team or write that block for you. But, uh, I knew Russell's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Um, good thing we, we, we got to how we need to draft in this draft. Um, I wish, I wish we had more, a little more picks, yes, but how we drafted, I liked it. We needed a number three out receiver. We got two of them. We got cornerback. We got an offensive tackle. Uh, I, I think we're we think we're pretty good right now. I mean, every, every team has somewhere to improve upon, but I think we're good right now. If I was going to give us a letter grade, I'd give us an A- minus right now. What do you think about Pete Carroll's future with the team? I, I honestly think, you know... <laughs> As the Seahawks have not made it back to the NFC Championship game since 2014, they've either lost in a wild card round or in the divisional round every year since their uh, Super Bowl 49 loss uh, back in the 2014 season. Do you think? Do you think that Pete Carroll? It's safe to say that Pete Carroll has to, at the minimum, make the NFC Championship game. What do you think about his job security? Um, I'll give him this year. Maybe depends on this year. I maybe give him the next year too. But uh, it's it's like a car accident, you know. After you get out of having a car accident, how, no no matter how big or minor it was, you're afraid to get into the car because you know it happened, and it's something you can't you can't ignore it. It happened. It was scary, and that's how Pete Carroll's coaching right now because he threw the ball at the one yard line. He's wants to run the ball more and he's not really passing like Russell wants to and Russell's like hey just trust in me come on let me do it and he's like I wish I could but I, I can't make that same mistake again so <coughs> Ooh, excuse me um he can't make that same mistake again so I can this year him depending on what he does this year get him next year but it, it, it hurts um as a fan, but just stuff that he's pulling off, he keeps on doing that and not trusting Russell, he's got to go. If I had to choose between Pete and Russell, I can find another Pete. I can't find another Russell. Once Russell's gone, he's gone. You know, and Russell fits our system. Pete, we can get a new offensive, um, we can get a new head coach, sorry. Um, they fired Brian Sean. I'm so glad we did. Back in 2018, I was stupid how we kept on running the ball against Dallas when it clearly wasn't working. Um, didn't like Schottenheimer. I mean, it was a change from having... I forgot who our... I forgot who our other offensive corner was. It will come to me later. Um, but it, it was a change. It's something that we had to do. I'm glad we got someone... Offensive coach, offensive coordinator from someone who we lost to and uh, in the Rams... Offensively, we're a lot more talented than the Rams, which is I like because there's the Rams would be so much better, you know, if they got rid of golf. And I'm not saying Stafford's a solution to the problem, absolutely not. No, Stafford's a little better than golf, but they they they're the same. They make dumb throws. They don't know when to you know let the ball go. They take too many sacks. It's, I like how I like what we're doing this off season. Can't wait till the season starts. But if Pete pulls the same thing like he did last year and this past year, then I gotta let him go. I uh, this uh, this past year we started off amazing and then just started losing. Like it, it all started with Arizona. Um, 
I think we threw the ball a little too much in Arizona. Given no really balance there. Which I think is where Beat lost trust in Russell. So, you know. Yeah, he did, he did not have a good... he His game at Arizona that Sunday night was not very good. It started good. It started good. And then towards the end, he started... He, after he threw those uh, three touchdowns, he tied a lock. That interception where, D, uh, where DK... <laughs> DK caught Buda Baker, and that was still amazing play. Wish it never happened because that's still the interception. That uh, still a touchdown that should have been on the board. Uh, but you know, I just uh, we can't be making the same mistakes like we did uh, this past year. We, we can't, or else we, we're not gonna be able to beat the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't say the Packers no more because Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. But that's it. What do you What are your thoughts on that? Wait, see, what are your thoughts on that? Um. Never really was a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Just didn't like the way he went at things. But I'm not gonna fault him here. Uh, disrespectful is what he's doing. Is is what they're doing to him. He's just asking for a little offensive weapons. And we're not. We're not that he's he, well. Hold, hold on now. He's got Aaron Jones, one of the best backs in football, and he's got Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in football. But that's not just it. Why do you think that what makes us so good? Because. You can lock down. You can just have. You can have a middle linebacker, and you can have your good defensive front just on Aaron Jones. You can just have a lockdown corner on um, Devontae Adams. That's not it. You need at least a good tight end. Yeah. Okay. Say that's okay. Well, I get that. Because those players are going to get old. And I get. I and get if that. He's, and, and if they're just only drafting a quarterback, his replacement. I get that. Is disrespectful. I get. Well, and I, the fact well, that he wants out of Green Bay. Well, here's the what, fact that he wants out of Green Bay. I I don't fault him for, especially that NFC Championship situation. Well, here's that's the, his fault well, though that he should have ran the ball in, but just the fact that like he, the forward goes for a field goal. He's just like I'm Aaron Rodgers. I've been in this league for I don't know how long. I've understudied against, uh, understudied uh, Brett Favre. I've learned from probably one of the best quarterbacks this franchise ever had. So why not leave the ball in my hands? Now Pete would never did that. Pete would have said, "I'm hesitant, but give me the ball to you, Russ." Where we want to pass the ball, run the ball. That's a different conversation. That's a different story. But I don't. There's no other coach but Lafleur and Klein Bar and Clint Kingsbury and McVay probably would have did what um, uh, Lafleur did. I, as Aaron Rodgers, he should feel disrespectful, disrespected. He's the one in Green Bay. Now, he, if I got to choose between him staying in Green Bay or San Fran, he better stay in Green Bay because the division already got harder this year. So if he goes to San Fran... Um, which isn't going to happen because they have Garoppolo and they drafted Lance with the third right. pick. But uh, hopefully he goes in the AFC, but I don't... Do you think he's getting traded at all? No. Uh, what, what I think is going to happen... He'll... What I think it's going to happen is he's probably going to retire. You know? You think so? I think so. What I want to happen is he gets traded to an AFC team, they give him a little, and maybe uh, a guy that they drafted, the QB, becomes a backup quarterback. So we just, you know, don't worry about the Packers for the next five years. That, that's cool. That's just one less person we got to worry about. That's one extra playoff spot that opens up for us. Uh, but what I think is going to happen, he's probably going to just go retire and probably just do Jeopardy. And I do I he asked for uh, the GM to be fired. I don't think that's gonna happen. I just think they're just too you know big headed for that. But well, they can't fire the GM in when he <laughs> when he when he in the eyes of the when he in the eyes of the bosses 
have done nothing. They, they're not going to fire the GM. They're not going to fire the GM when he when he, in hindsight, has done nothing wrong in the eyes of the people that run the Packers organization. But I'm mean, not the truth between Aaron Rodgers and the GM. I'm choosing Aaron Rodgers. Well, I, I understand that. But you also have to keep in mind, they're not going to fire him when we just concluded the draft. And and if the play, and if and this is where Aaron Rodgers has to take some hits here. You know, you cannot, oh, I don't like the GM. I don't like the GM, so he should be fired. Jordan couldn't stand Jerry Krause. Did he go up to Reinsdorf's office or go knock down Phil Jackson's door and say, and say, hey, hey, I can't stand Krause. I want out of here. No, Jordan essentially... Jordan won more than one championship. You can't compare that. He that, didn't, he didn't go to he didn't go to the he didn't he didn't go to the that's that's my that's my exact that's my exact point that's my exact point. Aaron Rodgers has won one championship in his in, in his career. He has not and that Super Bowl is over ten years ago. Michael Jordan, who he and all these other quarterbacks, not named Trot, tr- you know, Rodgers, Watson, uh, your boy Russell Wilson. They all think that they are a Jordan or they're a LeBron or they're a Brady and think that they can call the shots. Doesn't work that way. Too much is given, much is required. When you have, when you win, when you got about three, four, five, six rings on your finger, on your in your trophy case, then you can come talk to me. LeBron has won. LeBron has been, has appeared in ten NBA Finals and has won four of them. If he if he wants to dictate the organization and gets to control who gets fired and who doesn't and who plays where and and who starts and who sits and, and this that and the other, he's earned the right to do that. He's LeBron James. If Tom Brady now not the same thing because Tom Brady was a free agent. He didn't hold the franchise hostage while he was in the middle of a contract that he signed, which is the, which is the crap that Rodgers, Watson, and and uh, and Wilson back in February and early March was trying to pull, but. Brady was a free agent, and again, Rodgers is not a uh, Rodgers is not even in the same zip code as Tom Brady. Tom Brady has appeared in ten Super Bowls, won seven of them, and uh, and beat Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game back in January. Aaron Rodgers has been Aaron Rodgers has been to one Super Bowl in his career. One and that was ten years ago. And his conference championship game since then, he's lost to your he's lost to your Seahawks. He's lost to the he's lost. He got destroyed by the Falcons. He got he got embarrassed by the 49ers. And he and he did not bring his team home against the Bucks. Zero and four since that Super Bowl forty five championship ten years ago. Zero and four. You know, in that time span, how many championship games Brady has won in that time span? Two. 2011 AFC Championship game, 2014 AFC Championship game, 2016 AFC Championship game, 2017 AFC Championship game, 2018 AFC Championship game, and the 2020 NFC Championship game. He's 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 in in the last ten years. He's won six conference championship games and lost one of, and lost three of them. He's been he 
do I have that right? He because he's he lost to Denver twice and he's lost and he's lost to Denver twice and he's lost, lost to the Ra- and the Ravens. Yeah, so he's that. lost. So he's lost three and he won. Lost he's he's lost he's lost three cha- conference championship games in the last ten in the last ten years. He's lost three two to Peyton two to Peyton Manning in Denver and one against the Ravens. He beat the Ravens in two thousand eleven. He won in twenty fourteen. Won in twenty sixteen. Won in twenty seventeen. Won in twenty eighteen. And won in two thousand and twenty. He's won six conference championship games. I'm not talking Super Bowls now. Six conference championship games in the last ten years. Ten. And went to them consecutively in two thousand sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Three straight. Aaron Rodgers has lost four of his la- in the last ten since that Super Bowl appearance and that Super Bowl title has lost his last four NFC championship games that he and the Packers have both appeared in. So I understand, and I'm, and I, am I excusing Green Bay for this? Absolutely not. But like I told you uh, the other day, it's it's on both sides here. And for the Aaron Rodgers of the world, you're not Brady. You've won one. Brady's won six. Brady's won six. And uh, and don't sit up here and t- and don't sit up here and tell me because you because it's not that Aaron Rodgers hasn't gotten to the NFC Championship game since that 2010 championship. He's been four times and twice in back to back years. You're not Brady enough. Stop it. I mean I, I mean everyone sits up here and, and you're not Brady when you when you have Brady's resume and when you have Brady's resume then come talk to us. When you when you are the when you have the uh, when you have the accolades that LeBron and the NBA that LeBron and the NBA have and Brady and the NFL have, then you, then you can, then you what you, you I mean people may not like it, but you've earned the right to kind of dictate what goes on as far as roster control and and what people you want to work with and yada yada yada. Look, Jordan worked with Jordan had Jerry Krause who he couldn't stand couldn't stand and somehow the way he he was able to bite the bullet and you know what he and you know what he what what got out of it six championships six championships he couldn't stand Jerry Krause couldn't stand him yet Aaron Rodgers now because because he doesn't like the GM he 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 thinks he should lose his job now, granted, Jerry Krause was a hell of a GM, a lot better of a GM than the last few GMs that the Packers have had. But you get the idea. If Jordan can stomach the fact that he that he had a that he had a uh, superior that he didn't like and was able to over and was able to overcome it by winning, why can't Aaron Rodgers do the same? He didn't bring his team home in the NFC Championship game. Choked against your Seahawks in 2014 and got embarrassed against the 49ers in 20 in 2019 and by the Falcons in 2016. He got McCarthy out of there, fine. He, okay, you got McCarthy out of there, and I understand that all, you know they may not have they may not have the complete package offensively that he may like, but don't sit up here and act like that Aaron Jones and. Devontae Adams aren't the best, respectively, one of the best in the National Football League, respectively, at their position, because because those two guys are are not are not scrubs. Please, what wasn't that long ago that 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 Aaron Rodgers had a had a overweight Eddie Lacy as as his running back? <laughs> Keep that in mind. But you may continue. Um. 
You're right. <laughs> um, I'm not that much left to say. <laughs> I don't even think. Nah, you may not like me. Y'all may not like me when I say this, but I don't think Russell and Aaron Rodgers are in the same predicament because just because Russell has just been them, which is one more Super Bowl than he has, and I think Russell just in more consistent. They both won one. They he they both been, I, he's been the one more than him. If okay, so, all right, all right, all right, all right, fine. Go ahead. Um, but I mean, you yeah, you're right. But it's just Aaron has had people around. Like he has had the best situations, but he's had people around him. He's he's had uh, Jordy Nelson. He's had a Randall Cobb. He's had a Donald Driver. He's had a Greg Jennings. He's had he even had a Jimmy Graham at one point. That's not that's not that's not the Saints Jimmy Graham, but that's the uh, that's still Jimmy Graham, but. Um, do I think he should leave? Yeah, I want him to, yes. Because I'm sick of looking at the Packers. But will he leave? Yeah. Because this is... Uh, even though Russ was, Russell's was bad, but it never got to this point. You know, Russell was never like, I'm not playing or I finally leave. It, it wasn't one of those situations... It wasn't like a did like this situation really kind of remind me of Antonio Brown a little bit. Uh, kind of the the responses, it's kind of like remind me of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. How yeah, if you're not gonna pay me, well, then I don't want to be here. I'm not showing up week one. I'm not showing up any of these other weeks. But I think Aaron should probably go. That's probably because if you don't like a situation, certain situation where you're at, um, and leave. Now, is it 100% the DM's fault and the front office's fault? Absolutely not. It's 50-50. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Aaron's probably the blame. Um, he hasn't been consistent. Um, he's like... Just... He's had so much around him that he should be better, and there's no reason why he shouldn't at least have three to four Super Bowls on his, on his ring. There's no way you should have got embarrassed by Falcons like that. Um, no reason why you should, no reason why you get embarrassed by the 49ers in the regular season and in the playoffs, which makes no sense to me. Same place, same field, kind of similar the same weather. You still get embarrassed by the 49ers twice. He, yeah. Um, what was that, last year? 2019. This past season, they lost to the Bucks. They got, they got. In, so it was got, last year, right? Yeah, with the Buccaneers, yeah. And, like, no offense, but, but hey, we we may have lost to the 49ers last, uh, last year, but we never lost by that much. It's the fact, like, <clears throat> and this isn't the, <coughs> excuse me, that was getting dry. This isn't the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, 49ers. This isn't on Steve Young and T.O. and all these other people. This isn't the draft 49ers team. This is Jimmy G. Emmanuel Sanders, Raheem Mostert, George Kittle, and George Kittle. Well, here's here's all you need to know. Here's all you need to know. Since that 2010 championship, here are the quarterbacks out of the NFC that have all made it to the Super Bowl since that since the Packers 2010 championship. 
Eli Manning, Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson back to back, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady. Tom Brady just got to the NFC. Jared Goff is true. Jared Goff should have never been in the championship Jared, Jared, Jared Goff got traded. Jared Goff got traded. Nick Foles isn't even isn't on the Eagles anymore. Matt Ryan has fell off the face of the earth since that since that Super Bowl appearance. Cam Newton is a totally Cam Newton, as much as I hate to say this, he fell off the face of the earth in his own right. He's not on Carolina anymore. Colin Kaepernick is not, not saying it's a bad thing, but he's more he's more known now for protesting during the national anthem and then getting a 49ers to a Super Bowl. And Colin Kaepernick out beat Aaron Rodgers to get to that Super Bowl, by the way. Keep that in mind as well. And Eli Manning, who is an Apache on Aaron Rodgers, you know what, also got to a Super Bowl and won. And like Kaepernick, beat the Packers to get there. So, like, what, 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 what are we doing? And and Brady just got like I said, and Brady just got to the NFC as of as of last as of spring twenty twenty. So it, it, what this this was what what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Outside outside of Russell Wilson and Brady, who's an all time great, but he just got to the NFC and again beat Rodgers to get to the Super Bowl. But and Russell outside, could beat Aaron Rodgers outside, to get to the Super Bowl too. Right. And outside of outside of Russell Wilson and Brady you know, I mean, look at the quarterbacks: Colin Kaepernick, Jared Goff. Those two have all made it to Super Bowl in more recent in a more recent time frame than Aaron Rodgers has. I'm not crying the river for him whatsoever. I'm I'm sorry, and, and and I understand he wants to be middle of attention. He wants to call the shots. See, Aaron Rodgers can say that, but also he'd be the same one with his passive aggressive attitude. That if the Packers called him up and said, "Hey, Aaron." What's your thoughts on this guy? We're thinking about cutting this guy or putting or adding this guy on the roster, this, that, and the other. He'd 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 send him the voicemail. So you you can't have it both ways as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned. Uh, about the real quick, you want to give you two cents on the Orioles or no? Um, just just a little bit. Uh, same thing every single year. Always will be. Always has been unless we get another man Machado, but like that. Mm. Diamond in the rough, not gonna find that again. Unless he wants to come back, but doubtful. Um, continue to lose. Pitching sucks. John Means the only good person on that team. Need to trade Chris Davis. Can't wait till his contract ends. Um, ballpark gets ugly and ugly because there's no pennants or championship banners hanging up on there. Has been one since what, 81? 83, 83, 81. 83, 83. It's still too long. Um, I, I agree. <laughs> Go ahead. Somehow, some way, we're still better than the Yankees. Don't under, don't understand that. But hey. yeah, Yankees are above five hundred now, so that isn't even that isn't even factual anymore. Well, you were. Um, we were at one point in time, yes. Uh, we always we always do nothing in free agent. The same thing every year. It's sometimes you mention the Warriors just from the bar five. <laughs> don't want. Unless there's really nothing on TV, I maybe sit down and watch the game. Um, that's the first couple of innings, I gotta turn it off to so get angry. 
simple mistakes, simple stuff that they do. The ball right in the middle of the plate, smacking it right over the wall. Stupid errors. Um, one thing I do want to talk about on the Orioles, which was Sunday against the A's. Um, just no hustle at all. Don't have no urgency to throw the ball in. Don't need to get to second baseman, nothing. Julio, he was disgraceful on Sunday. How are you fat and you play right field? Typically, fat people are supposed oh, to either play DJ first, Stewart. either yeah. first or DH. How are you fat and you play the outfield, which consists of running? But anyway, have a good, <coughs> have a good birthday. Yes. <coughs> Thank you. Hydrate yourself because you're dying of thirst sitting right next to me. But you did good. Did good. Love you. Happy birthday. Take a break. Thank you, Ian, for joining us. Take a break. Talk about the New York Knicks. This is the Amatel Like a TIS podcast. Don't go there. Anywhere, excuse me. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Ted Like TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the New York Knicks, who are in a bit of a hot streak right now. Yes, I said it. New York Knicks hot streak in the month of May. All in the same sentence. Yes, that is absolutely positively true. And if you don't believe me, just look at the, just look at this little nugget of information. The New York Knicks, believe it or not have the same record as the Los Angeles Lakers. They have won nine of their last ten games. They have won three in a row. They are 37-28 and 28 with a 569 winning percentage, seven games out behind the number one seeded Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference. And they are, within their own division, they are... Stand by. The New York Knicks are in third place within the Atlantic Division, uh, about six and a half games out of the Brooklyn Nets in second for second place in their Atlantic in their Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference. The New York Knicks, ladies and gentlemen, in the month of May are playing solid, winning, productive, entertaining basketball. How about that? The New York Knicks who were and who has been a complete laughingstock for the better part of the last eight or nine years are back to relevancy. They are fun to watch. They are entertaining. They're winning basketball games. They're in the mix, and and they are oh so close, oh so close from getting back into the NBA playoffs. Not even in playing, but the NBA Playoffs. They have been on an absolute hot streak. They had that nine-game winning streak when they could do when they could do no wrong. Uh, they had it snapped. They had it snapped by eight-point loss against uh, against Phoenix, and then they've won. And then they've started another winning streak by winning three in a row. They beat the Bulls one thirteen and ninety four. Uh, the 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 lowly Rockets one twelve one twenty two to ninety seven and they beat the Grizzlies one eighteen to one oh four. They have a game tonight at nine o'clock against the Denver Nuggets. Should be a tall task. Denver uh, Denver right now is sitting 
is sitting at 43 and 22 uh, in the Western in the Western Conference. Uh, the Knicks, away from Madison Square Garden, are uh, 15 and 17, while Denver is 24 and 10. Uh, you know, everyone's getting vaccinated. They're going to let people in back into the arenas, which is a fantastic uh, sign, not just from from not just from a public health standpoint, but also from the standpoint that fans uh, can go back into the mecca in uh, Manhattan, that is Madison Square Garden, and watch the New York Knicks play solid, winning, entertaining, watchable, competitive basketball. Uh, if you just take a look at, uh, if you want to know, if you haven't paid too much attention on why the New York Knicks are uh, on why the New York Knicks have uh, have been playing as well as they possibly can, I give you, I give you three, I give you three names: Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, and R.J. Barrett. Those three, these three guys this season have really done a wonderful job, along with Tom Thibodeau, the head, the head coach, who has the New York Knicks, Knicks right now sitting at the best with the best uh, with the best defense in all of the NBA. They are first. They are first. First, giving up on average 104 points a game. Best defense by far in the in, by far in the National Basketball Association. One of the best, if not the best. Um, they are they're also eighth in re, they have and they also crash the glass. They're eighth in rebounds, averaging forty five rebounds a game as a team. Um, but if you go back to the players that really again outside of Thibodeau, who's done a phenomenal uh, coaching, who's done a phenomenal coaching job uh, coaching these Knicks this season, just go to uh, just go to Julius Randle and how he's done so far this season. This season, you go ahead and you look. He has he's averaging twenty four points a game, ten rebounds, and five and five assists so far this season. You go back and you look at his performances throughout this uh, three, this little three game hot streak that the Knicks have been on since their nine game winning streak was snapped by Phoenix on the twenty sixth of April. He put up thirty four points against Chicago, thirty one points against Houston, twenty eight points against Memphis. Uh, had had seven had seven rebounds against Chicago and against Houston, six rebounds against Memphis, and had three assists against Chicago, six assists against Houston, six assists against Memphis, and uh, had and had a steal against in the games against the Rockets and against the Memphis Grizzlies, but has but has scored a thir- but has scored more than twenty five points in all three of those games, thirty four, thirty one, and twenty eight. If you go ahead and you add, if you go ahead and you add it up during this three-game hot streak. Julius Randle has combined for 93 points. He's been absolutely positively off the freaking charts. A phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal job Julius Randle has done for the New York Knicks out of Kentucky, uh, the the uh, number seven pick in the in the 2014 uh, NBA draft a few seasons ago. Um, going up, like I said, they're going up against Denver tonight. He's averaging 29 points, five assists. Uh, with a forty with a forty percent three point shooting uh against Denver so far uh, so far this season shooting 68% from the field uh, against Denver if you go back and look in the last 10 games uh, if you go back and look the last 10 games as a whole for Julius Randle just been absolutely phenomenal 30 points 
thir- averaging 30 points a game, shooting 80, uh, shooting 52% from three, 46% from the field, averaging eight rebounds, five and a half, five and a half per, uh, assists, excuse me, and a steal in the game. He's just been, he has just done a phenomenal job for the New York Knicks. I mean, if you would have told me in December that the New York Knicks were, in, you know, had had clinched a, a plus 500 record for the first time in eight or nine years, have an opportunity to make it into the playoffs. Uh, and I don't mean, you know, at some mere mire, two, three games of below 500. Nuh-uh. These New York Knicks, ladies and gentlemen, all right, are sitting at uh, 37 and 28. There's, you know, they are, uh, they got a they got a nice little uh, winning percentage about them here in this season. If you would have told me that the New York Knicks would have uh, would have been essentially shocking the world like they were, and they honestly, and you can even make the argument they would be the NBA story in New York and not the New York Knicks or Nets or the Brooklyn Nets, excuse me. I would have I would have called you crazy, but they have done an absolutely phenomenal job. Give Thibodeau all the credit. They play hard for him. Uh, you know they got great uh, they got great guts, good uh, stick-to-itiveness. They play uh, you know they play their asses off. They got phenomenal defense again, one of the best in the in the NBA as far as the uh, deep as far as the uh, team defense is concerned. They, they, I mean, they they have done everything right. You know, they had a little, they had a little fiasco with uh, a little thing with uh, with James Dolan, Dolan getting in the news a few about a few months ago. But other than that, every, any everything that's come out of the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden has been of positive things and and and, and, and everything about winning basketball games. Everyone who's associated with the New York Knicks, as far as the head, as far as the coach. The players, Derrick Rose, even uh, if f- fans, Stephen A. Smith, uh, the two people when you th- when you say New York Knicks fans, the two people that come to my mind is Stephen A. Smith and uh, and Spike Lee. Lord knows they've been through the ring of the last ten years uh, and, and been through and been through many a heartbreak longer than that, dating back to 1973, which was the last time the New York Knicks have won an NBA championship. But you know, celebrate, be happy, be giddy about it. Go out there and and go out there on on national TV, on social media, and act like and act like a complete fool because New York Knicks, they're good again, they're relevant again, and this is only the beginning. And maybe, just maybe, the New York Knicks could get what what has been eluding them for the last, you know, God knows how long, and that's getting a big time star to wear the New York Knicks orange and blue and to show up and ball out and be the face of Madison Square Garden uh, during the uh, during the uh, winter and early spring and that is uh, being a uh, and, and that is being the uh, soup the eventual superstar and face of the New York Knicks franchise Zion Williams is going to be a free agent uh, sooner rather is going to be a free agent very soon when the Pelicans played in New York he said that uh, he said in a postgame press conference that you know outside of playing for New Orleans he loves playing in New York City and Madison Square Garden so who knows Knicks if the Knicks keep this up they get lucky they couldn't they could land Zion and boy would and boy would all the Knicks fans in New York City and in the tri-state area boy would it make me happy for them and boy would they deserve it if the New York Knicks got to an NBA Finals and and got it and and done something which has not been done if you do the math has not been done since 1973 in 48 years and that is win an NBA 
championship. But the Knicks have done an absolutely phenomenal job. Derrick Rose has done his part, has done his part as well. Uh, in its last ten games, again at this point in Derrick Rose's career, he's not he isn't going to blow up the stat sheet like he used to, but. In the last 10 games, he's averaged 18 points a game, shot 56% from the field, uh, field goal percentage-wise, 46% from three, from three, averaging three rebounds, about five assists a game, uh, and a steal as well in the last 10 games for Derrick Rose. He's averaging 14 points, two, two and a half rebounds, four assists this uh, and during this NBA season. He put up 24 and 25 in the last two games, 24 against Houston and 25 against uh, against Memphis, he's done an absolutely phenomenal job shooting uh, 72% from the field against Houston. I understand Houston's terrible, but still, it's the NBA. And they shot 73% on Monday against Memphis in their 118-104 win against the Memphis Grizzlies. And New York Knicks have done a phenomenal job. Uh, I'll be come playoff time. I'll be pulling for the Knicks. I'm a root for. I'm a root for them like hell every single game because there's because the the Nick fans, the Nick fans, and the and it's good for basketball. It's and I think LeBron. I think LeBron might have said this in a tweet a few weeks ago. The the, the NBA is good and the NBA is at its best when the New York Knicks are good, competitive. And playing meaningful basketball late in the season in in uh, in early May. So it's, it's good. I mean, granted, early May we'd be in the playoffs by now. Mother's Day weekend we'd be wrapped up the first round during normal years. But but still, it's May. It's May the fifth, and the New York Knicks are playing meaningful basketball and are so close to the playoffs they can taste it. That's that's what's most that's what's most important, and that's the takeaway out of all of this. And and the NBA is better off when the Knicks are good. The NBA here, here's which one here's which one with the NBA. And I know the NBA is a, you know it's it's a it's a superstar driven league by the big names: Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Lillard, uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. I get all of that. But when it, but there's a couple of franchises that to a certain degree, no matter how big the superstars get, if the franchises are good and relevant, the sport, the the, the league is going to benefit from it. And the New York Knicks is one of those franchises. You know, it was you know the the NBA will tell you. I mean, they may, they may never tell you this, but during the but during the dark times, you know, when Kobe was wrapping up his career. In the back end of Kobe's career, when he was wrapping things up in Los Angeles, and the Lakers were and the Lakers were essentially a league laughing stock, and the New York Knicks weren't any better, the NBA will tell you: Yes, they're happy. LeBron and Steph Curry started to become his own around that same time too. But the, but the NBA will tell you: Ain't nothing like it when when you when you two big time franchises historically and just with the city with the two big markets that they play in in New York City and Los Angeles the two biggest markets and markets in the two uh, biggest uh, cities within the United States of America I mean New York City Los Angeles I mean they they're bigger than the U S they're 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 worldwide I mean New York it doesn't get any bigger than New York City on the East Coast and in Los Angeles out west I mean those are the two biggest cities that this country has to offer to the rest of the world. And when their two teams throw away throw away the Nets and throw away the Lakers, or excuse me, throw away the Nets and throw away the Clippers, when the Knicks 
and the Lakers are both good and an even better at the same time, the league is the league is better for it. The league is better for it, and the league is in a better state as as a whole as as just far as just a a, a solid entertainment product is concerned. When the Knicks and the Lakers at the same time are playing meaningful competitive basketball and are and are you know. Are are shown on national television on a night in night out basis. I put it to you like that. When the Knicks are good, it's good for the NBA. When the when the Lakers are good, it's good for the NBA. When they're both good, and and you have your stars mixed mixed in with LeBron and everything, the NBA, phenomenal place, phenomenal place. And I understand they don't play for the Knicks, but they play in New York. You got KD. Harden, Irving, they also play in New York City as well. It's fantastic. Now all the NBA has to do is is solve the load management crap and they'll be flying. Get Clay get Clay Clay ugh, can't speak. Get Clay Thompson back for Golden State and uh get Clay get my goodness, I can't talk. Get Clay Thompson back for Golden State and they'll be fl- and cut the load management crap and they'll be flying. But as far as getting back to the Knicks, they're also R.J. Barrett, their young star, uh, there for a number, their 2019 first round draft pick out of Duke. Um, he's also done. He's also done well these last ten games as well, averaging nearly 19 points a game, uh, six rebounds, three assists, shooting 44% from three, uh, 44% from the field. Done an abs- done a done a good job. Uh, young star for the Knicks. He put up 22, 21, and 15 his last three games. 22 against Chicago. 21 against Houston, and 15 points against uh, fi- uh, against Memphis. Shot 60 percent from three against Chicago, and uh, and and had a hundred percent from three. Brandon only scored 15 points, but shot a hundred percent from three against Memphis on Monday night. So. The New York Knicks are flying. They have won nine out of their last ten. They've won three in a row. Give the Knicks their props. Give the Knicks their due. I'm looking forward to watching some playoff basketball with the New York Knicks in it. The playoffs, as far as the NBA is concerned, can't get here soon enough, I'm telling you. Take a break. Get to the Yankees and the Houston Astros and everything that was down at the Bronx on Tuesday night. Don't go anywhere. Back after this.
Welcome back. To the I'ma Tell It Like a TIS podcast. We stay uh, with the city of uh, New York, and that is uh, their baseball team uh, out of the American League that uh, lay their uh, home base, their uh, home ballpark in the Bronx. And that is the New York Yankees, who took on the Houston Astros on Tuesday night for a three-game set. The New York Yankees actually, I think for the first time all year, I think are are, uh, back above 500, one above at 15 and 14. Uh, they beat the Houston Astros last night by the final score of seven to three. Uh, they had a three-run first inning. Giancarlo Stanton went off, uh, hit, hit a home run in the seventh inning off of Zach Greinke. They had a uh, they had a big they had a big uh, they did a you know they went crazy scoring in the bot they had a they went crazy in the bottom of the sixth inning scoring three runs. Uh, off of a throwing error by Alex Bregman that went into the right field that went into the right field corner in the bottom of the sixth inning, which gave the Yankees the six three lead, having it uh, having coming into the bottom of the sixth inning uh, tied at three apiece. They also scored another run uh, in the bottom of the sixth inning as Giancarlo Stanton single to drive in DJ LeMahieu that made it seven to seven to three New York. And uh, put the stamp on things there in the Bronx. Stanton, like I said, aforementioned the homer in the bottom of the first after Bregman uh, sh- shortly quieted the rambunctious and the rowdy and energetic New York Yankee uh, New York Yankee crowd in Yankee Stadium uh, last night with the home run to center field to give uh, to give Houston the uh, one to nothing lead and and Houston would not have the lead for the rest of the ball game. The best they did from there on out was tying it uh, was tying it at three three in the bottom in the top of the fourth inning. But they had the, they jumped out to an early lead in the top of the first and uh, and essentially did not have the lead for the rest of the game uh, for the uh, for the <laughs> for the rest of the ball game. Uh, but like I said, the Yankee crowd was rambunctious. They were rowdy. They were in Energetic. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was it was it was one occasion where I'm going to say these words as an Oriole fan and as a person who will go to my grave despising the New York Yankees as an Orioles fan, and that is the fact that I loved every single last one of you Yankee fans that were in attendance that made your presence known, that made your presence felt, that that raised holy hell against the Houston Astros last night. They are they are despicable. They are disgusting. They are they are, they are a bunch of cheating punks who deserve every single ridicule and 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 chant and heckle they get their way while they're in Yankee Stadium the la- the next few days because they deserve it it is it is rep- what they did was so disgusting and so reprehensible listen i went off i went off on them many times within the last few years they 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 are, they are a bit they sh- all every single last one of them Bregman Guriel uh Carlos Correa Altuve Verlander every single last one of them should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for what they did using using technology and and banging bats against against trash cans in the dugout stealing signs is so reprehensible it it it's 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 mind-boggling how they still somehow some way were allowed to keep their championship if they if, if anyone in that commissioner's office if Rob Manfred anyone had any guts 
any cojones had a backbone, they would have stripped that championship away, would have suspended the owner, and they and every single player on that roster that was ruled guilty after that investigation and had any dealing with that investigation would have got, first of all, the everyone on that entire roster from top to bottom, regardless if you participated in it or not, would have gotten a fine. Would have gotten a fine from, from Altuve to the 25th man on the roster. Every single last one of them would have got would have had to have write a, a, a check to major back to Major League Baseball. And if and if the, and if I ever found out who in particular was engaging in it, I would have suspended them for a season. Period. No questions asked. They would have gotten suspended for a season. Everyone on that roster would have gotten a fine. The they did a decent. They did a good job get, uh, throwing the hammer down to Lunau and Hinch. I would have I would have suspended the I would have suspended the owner for for a season. He can't be anywhere near the team for a whole season. I would have I would have done that too. He the owner snippy wiping his hands clean. Well, I had nothing to do about it. It's your franchise. You're the owner. You're the ultimate boss. The buck stops with you. And and I would have stripped that championship away. Would have been vacant. You go back and rank most who won the championship. No, nobody did. It's it's like like in college basketball. It's vacated, vacated. Don't 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 give it to the Yankees. Don't give it to the Dodgers. Who granted? Who granted? You know. And I understand lost. And I understand that that the Dodgers lost games at home. I I understand all that. And but still. The Dodgers got yeah they yeah game five World Series game yeah okay fine but the Dodgers also to be fair lost games at home and and prior to that series and after that series up until 2020 the Dodgers had been known all across the sports landscape of being the playoff chokers that they are just go just 2018 against against the Red Sox. 2018 against the Red Sox with uh, Dave with Dave Roberts and Ryan Madsen, and then go back, and then you can go to 2019 when you went go there, go 2019 when they lost in Game Five at home to Kershaw again rearing his ugly head in the postseason when they when they got ambushed by the Nationals who prior to that never won a postseason series in their life as a franchise got ambushed in game five in their building by the Nationals in the NLDS. And not to mention many of times that they had choked against against the St. Louis Cardinals, against I mean you pick you pick the teams that they that they had choked against prior to this 2017 Astros fiasco. But that World Series was affected by the Astros, by the Astros' nonsense in 2017, the Yankees were absolutely as well. Now I understand how someone can sit back and say, "Well, the Yankee fan is very comes off very comes off as hypocritical because of the fact that that, that within the last uh, 20, 20, 25 years that they haven't exactly ran a clean ship and a clean program as well." And I listen to that, and I think that is a fair, accurate statement to make. And I don't hear any Yankee fan, anyone else, making the excuse, "Well, everybody did." steroids so what does it matter two wrongs don't make it right and what it's because everyone's jumping off a bridge you get you're gonna be just be because everyone's jumping off a bridge you're gonna go ahead and join them and 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 and, and be further and be and join the stupid group and jump off the bridge with them knowing good and full well that it was against the rules and it was morally and morally wrong 
and against and against Major League Baseball policy. Well, everybody did. It's no excuse. You cheated. Bottom line. So I understand if someone can make an argument and say, "Well, hold on now." I mean, I mean, Giambi, A Rod, uh, Giambi, A Rod. You, you, I mean, you can go ahead and go and call a roll. So I totally understand that. And and the Yankees have not ran a clean ship as far as cheating the game with PEDs is concerned at all either. And again, you know, a-, a Rod, A Rod, and all those cheats don't deserve don't de- don't deserve to be anywhere near the Hall of Fame. And if you and if you want to put a little asterisk next to next to their championship next to their championships that they've won as well, fine, so be it. But but in defense in defense of the Yankee fan, I understand cheating is wrong. And I understand with the PEDs. I understand all that, and it's discuss and it's reprehensible that you cheat the sport like that. But, but there's no evidence, and there was no scandal about with the New York Yankees using technology to steal signs to know what pitch is coming. Okay, A Rod, albeit a pathological liar and a serial cheater with the PEDs, to our knowledge. He did not illegally steal signs to know what pitch was coming. He may have been juiced up, but he still had to know what pitch was coming in order for him to hit the ball f- uh, 500 yards, or excuse me, 500 feet over the fence. He still had to know what pitch was coming in order for him to hit the ball. A little different. Astros, I think, is worse. Mize, in Mize, the Astros cheating thing is worse than, than, than the PEDs. PEDs is just as bad, but you still, at the end of the day, have to go out there and have to play that mind game as as far as figuring out what pitches come and after you still have to do that because you can take all the PEDs you want if 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 you if you sw- if you're swinging and missing and striking and going 0 for four with three strikeouts every night. What's what's the point of juicing up if if, if you're not going to make contact? The sign-stealing thing gave a clear-cut advantage to the Astros to have them make contact and essentially have them know what pitch is coming so they can make up their mind and decipher what pitches to swing at and what pitches to lay off of. So, so I so I understand the, and I understand the, the hypocrisy piece with the Yankees and the Yankee fan. I get that, and I totally understand it. And part of, and most of me agrees with 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 the person who would make that argument. But the but the Astros thing is so reprehensible. I mean, you is is so bad. It's it's it, it, the integrity of the sport. And I understand PEDs integrity of the sport issue too. But again, like I said. You can juice up until yeah until your head grows three sides you know go grows three sizes go grows three sizes and you can juice up to your biceps are 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 the size of a you know are the size of a of a, of a bowling ball means nothing if you can't make contact because because and to our knowledge the Yankees weren't illegally using video cameras and little contraptions and banging bats against the dugouts and little buzzers inside of our, of their jerseys and all that sort of stuff to know what pitch is coming they didn't do that all the PEDs did essentially was you know a double a double became a, a double became a home run 
you know the ball went the ball went a, f- a few more extra feet when when he made contact so you know a regular fly ball because of home run things of that nature but you but you're not going to know if you can't make contact because because you honestly don't know what pitch is coming Astros knew knew the pitches that were coming but it, but again they should have had a hammer down thrown to them wasn't they got an immunity which I understand the fact that you wouldn't have been able to find this out unless you gave them immunity but Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office has to be smart enough and and has to be witty enough to you know work like the police you know you know get what you get what you want out of them while also throwing the book at them so so you, so you don't essentially give them a plea bargain well where if well it will lessen your sentence if you tell you what's going on no you get them to, you get you get them to open up tell the truth commit what they did and then when you find out what they did and you finish your investigation then throw the book at them they could they could have did that if police departments can do that and if police department departments and FBI agents and that sort of and those organizations can do that when when they're confronting uh or if, if, when they're confronted criminals, Major League Baseball can do this, you know, to to get cheating stuff out of out of a 25 man roster with, within a baseball organization. That's just me. But thank God the Yankee the Yankee fans Yankee fans gave gave the Astros what they rightfully deserved. They deserved every single if if uh, Jose Altuve has to see F Altuve every single time he steps up to bat, then so be it. I'm not crying a river and I'm not crying myself to sleep at night for Jose Altuve. You cheat the sport, you deserve what you get. Plain and simple, end of story. It gave it gave the game a little juice. It's going to give this series many a juice. The Astros, their first trip into New York since 2019. First trip into New York since this whole sign stealing thing went down in February of 2020. Because of course the 2020 season was uh, suspended for a few months, and then of course you had because of the pandemic, you had the regional play. As far as the Eastern Division could only play the Eastern Division, you know, the the Astros couldn't play anyone from the AL Central, the AL East. They only had to play the Astros, Mariners, uh, Rangers, and um, the Astros, Mariners, Rangers, and 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 uh, Angels. And the Yankees only had to play the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, Rays, and Orioles. And then of course the uh, the interleague teams within that same uh, within that same region. So and they didn't play each other in the playoffs in 2020. So, hey, you heard the tune. You got to pay the piper. They avoid they avoided consequence as much as they possibly could. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to Houston, honestly, is the is the fact that the pandemic came shortly after the shortly after their punishment was handed down. Because because if you th- because if you thought it was bad about a ten, about ten thousand people in Yankee Stadium, just imagine it would if what it would be like in front of a sold out Yankee Stadium, people on top of each other, forty six or however many people you you can you know I don't know the exact capacity, but imagine a sold out Yankee Stadium, people on top of each other without having to wear masks so it doesn't muffle the sound, and then going and then, and then then things really would be would look interesting. So they got off easy. You know, about a year, a year, a year and a few months has gone by. Had a pandemic, not as many people in Yankee Stadium as it would be under normal under normal circumstances. My, the Houston Astros got off, and and again, none of the players got suspended. The Houston Astros have got have gotten off easy with this, in my eyes.
easy. Because in a perfect world, and if I was commissioner, their 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 lives their lives would have been would have been made a living hell. No, no, in a perfect world, which means no pandemic. And if I was running things, their life would have been a complete hell, complete hell. In a perfect world, they got off easy. But kudos to the Yankee fans, uh, you know, given uh, getting their comeuppance against the Astros for what they did, because because God knows they God knows they deserve it. They deserve it. Take a break. Get uh, give you my thoughts on the Bengals 2021 draft class. Promised you that after Saturday's episode, I'll give it to you to close out the show. This is the Amos Head Like a TIS podcast with Jai Shields. Welcome back to the I'm Tell Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now, and I promise you all this uh, after the draft on uh, Saturday, but give you my two cents right now as far as uh, who my Bengals drafted uh, after, uh, after you know, gives me a time to, uh, you know, let it compute in the good old brain upstairs. Um, you know, let it marinate in my head a little bit, you know, let it, um, you know, just let it sit let me com- think about it, let me compute it for a little bit. So here I go. Uh, as far as my Bengals in a 2021 draft is concerned, listen, uh, I can't, I'm not going to go by the grades because, you know, from what I've seen, the people have given them, you know, B, B minus grades with the draft, which, take it for what it's worth, I sort of take those draft grades with a grain of salt. I don't pay too much attention to it myself. Um, here, here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. I'll let you know. I'll give you my, my if you want a quote-unquote grade, I'll give you my grade. You know, when I look back and I see how they do the first few, you know, during preseason, first few weeks of the regular season, and if any of those guys end up being starters and and have a big time impact on the team, um, as far as the number one pick, which is which is the Bengals pick that's going to get the most juice out of you all, out of you all out there listening, the fact that they uh, drafted Jamar Chase and passed up on uh, Panay Sewell, the tackle out of Oregon. It was it was weird, it was weird sequence of emotions for me, because you know because first first when I and the friend we had Brendan on uh, had Brendan on last week to preview the draft and he and he uh, also happened to call me right around the time it came right around when it came time for the Bengals uh, to pick and he had and you know he called me. Because he wanted to get my reaction when they, uh, you know, to see when the when it came turn for the Bengals to draft, and when I saw and when I saw that they had drafted Jamar Chase, 
my initial reaction on, on the jump, I was not thrilled. I was not happy. If anything, I was pissed because of the, because of the and I don't think and I don't think you can call me crazy just based on just based on this logic. Your starting quarterback, who's your quote unquote franchise, you know, Ted doesn't finish his rookie season. Tears his ACL as a result of poor offensive line play, was getting wrecked and decked and was getting killed left and right. Um, was getting killed left and right all season long by various amount of opponents with with semi decent pass rushes combined with the with the group of turnstiles they called an offensive line. And, you know, okay, you cut Bobby Hart, the turnstile, fine, whatever. You sign the, the Reef guy from uh, the Reef offensive lineman from uh, Minnesota, okay, whatever. But, uh, but you weren't really that active as far as totally revamping the offensive line via free agency. So we expect, okay, fine, all right, well, maybe, 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 maybe they'll go ahead and they'll hit the offensive line with the draft. And then, you, and then they unveil the uniforms, and you have that picture of Joe Burleson with his legs crossed, and you can see the, you know, about a four or five inch cut of his knee from where he had ACL surgery uh, back, back in the wintertime. So then it's like, okay, all right. So you're thinking, well, yeah, maybe that maybe they'll have a clue. And then you're hearing all this talk from half the Bengals fans on social media, and then and then of course it's going. It gets back to the franchise. And all of a sudden, it's Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, and look what Chase did with Joe Burrow at LSU championship season, and and Jamar Chase this, and Jamar Chase that, and and just Joe Burrow, Jamar Ch- team Chase, team or team Sewell. I mean, Bengals fans going back and forth. Bengals fans, you know, who you know who I love. I love every single Bengals fan, but you know, it's like, well, really, Joe Burrow towards ACL. We're gonna draft a wide receiver. Really, this what we're gonna do now i mean okay uh, you know i i couldn't understand the logic behind it but it is for what it is maybe the bengals you know in the last few years they've they you know they tend to listen to what they tend to listen to what their fan base says and if half of their fan base is going to go chase is going to is or excuse me half their chase half their fan base wants jamar chase odds are odds are they're probably going to give uh, a lot of thought to jamar chase and then, lo and behold, fifth pick comes around. They draft Jamar Chase, which again at the beginning I didn't love. I I was I was pissed about it. I wasn't happy about it. But as but as you know, as the draft moved on, and as I kind of got less emotional about it and actually gave it some thought, I still and sitting here nearly a week later, you know, six days later, I don't love the pick. Still, I'm not in love with the pick. And I'm not in love with the selection. Jamar Chase is a hell of a wide receiver. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. And there's nothing against him, him personally, or him as a football player and what he did at LSU. Jamar Chase, that year with Burrow, he can absolutely ball. I'm not disputing that. But I don't. I don't love the selection as far as the state of the as far as the overall state from where the uh, as far as the overall state of where the Bengals are as a franchise in the here and now. I don't like the selection. And I don't. I'm. I'm not in love with the pick. I. I am. Am I pissed at it now? As. As I was then. No. 
but I'm not in love with it. And if I was the Bengals uh, GM, would I take away the fact that Burrow wanted Chase there? If 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 Burrow didn't have any input, if Burrow couldn't care one way or the other, would I select Jamar Chase? No, I would have selected Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman out of Oregon, who many have uh, have projected and many uh, have predicted that he could end up being the next Jonathan Ogden. And last time I checked, the bank, the Ravens won a Super Bowl with Jonathan Ogden as their offensive lineman. And so, and, and, and you know, when they had the offensive lineman and Anthony Munoz, the Bengals got to a couple Super Bowls with him on the, with him being in the on the starting roster. So that me, for me personally as a football fan, that's all you need to know right there. I mean, your only your offense is only as good as your offensive line is, and your offensive line can't be a group of turnstiles and you expect to win a championship. This was just all this just all there is to it. I mean, go back and look at all the they they may not even be all time greats, but you can't you can't expect to compete to win a championship with a bunch of turnstiles as your offensive lineman. It's just if you know anything about football, you got to know that. I mean, your offense is only as good as your offensive line is, and your quarterback play and your running game and that sort of stuff is only as good as your offensive line is. So I didn't love the pick again, but I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to move on, and I'm willing to uh, certainly give Chase a chance. And I'm a root for, and I'm a root for him like hell when it you know come week one. By the time week one comes around. Um, you know, this September, but I would have, I would have selected Chase. I would have not, I would have not fought it around. I wouldn't have wasted time. I wouldn't have, you know, flirted. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been, gotten cute with it. I would have buckled down, took it seriously and say, Hey, our franchise quarterback got destroyed last year and tore his ACL, which ended his rookie season. We ain't fooling around, boys. We are going to solidify and we are going to build and revamp this offensive line as best as we possibly can so he isn't even breathed on, let alone touched by another defensive player while he's wearing our Bengal orange and black uniform. That's how I would have looked at it, me personally. And everyone sitting up here, and everyone, and I heard everyone saying, "Well, the off, well, the draft was was uh, was very deep with offensive linemen." Okay, so fine, whatever. If if that means that we literally have to, and I and I, and I don't know if I told you all this, but if I didn't, I'll say I'll say it. And if I have said it, I'll say it again. If if it means that the Bengals literally have to essentially have the worst defense in the National Football League for 2021. If that's what it if that's what it takes as long as Bro doesn't as long as Bro has a good offensive line behind him and and you know and and, and he plays the full now 17 games, then so be it. It ain't like that the Bengals it's not like that the Bengals are going to compete nor are favored to 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 compete to play in or win a Super Bowl. Okay, this is still a quote unquote rebuilding year for the franchise. If the team is twenty eighth in 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 defense in the NFL, and Joe Bur- and Joe Burrow, you know, and, and Joe Burrow and and the Bengals have one of the best offenses, and he's and Joe Burrow can go a full game, can go multiple games consecutively without being touched or sacked or or rushed or hurried, then so be it. I'll I'll sacrifice that as a Bengals fan. 
You know, if if we if we if we have to score 30, 28 to thirty five to forty something points a game in order for us to win, fine. It's not we're competing for a championship anyway, so you might as well throw all your chips in the middle of the table and essentially build a monopoly and making sure that you have the best offensive line in football. Because I'm not going to be too understanding when it's college teammate Patrick Queen or or, or T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett. Or uh, or um, or uh, or uh, what's his face from uh, Kansas City? Uh, is his name Chandler Jones? Whatever it is, I'm not going to be too understanding when those guys have Burrow running for his life and they have to peel him out from out from the uh, field turf or, or get or pick him up from underneath the grass because he's getting pounded into the pounded into the ground every single time he drops back the pass because the Bengals don't have a decent offensive line to protect them. I'll sacrifice I'll sacrifice not having a pass rush. And, and, and having a garbage defense. If it means that Burrow's going to go on touch, me personally after what after what we had to go through last year, I'll sacrifice it. When it's not we're competing for a championship anyway, we make sure we get an offensive line in order, then build up the build up our defense, you know, after a season, then we'll go from there. That's how I look at it. Now, I'll go back and watch college tape and look at film of all these other guys that we drafted in rounds two through seven and see how they play in preseason and make my mind up from there. But my if I, I am not giving them a grade. Because in my eyes, their grade has yet to be determined for me. Let me let me see let me see how well Chase play, pays out or excuse me plays out. Let me see how well these late round these uh these late round dra- offensive linemen uh, pan out come preseason and early and early this twenty twenty one season. Let me see how let me see how they do, and then I'll make my mind up whether or not this this was a quote unquote successful draft for the Bengals or not. Because me, me personally, I, me personally, I'm not, I'm not sure. I could overreact and give him a D, give him an F for missing out on Sewell, and then all of a sudden the Bengals win, you know, seven or eight games, and Joe Burrow has one of the best offensive lines, you know, top fifteen best offensive lines in in, in the game. So I don't, I don't want to do that, and then and then say, you know what, and wasn't as bad as we thought. Give him a tremendous rating, then all of a sudden we realized how big of a mistake it was. What's the good? Of, what's the good of having an elite, top tier playmaking wide receiver if Joe Burrow is, is on his back every single time he drops back to pass? So I'm not going to do that either. I'm going to reserve judgment as late as I possibly can. Then when my opinion and my mind is made up, then I'll come to you all and give you my opinion. But if you want my honest opinion on on the fifth pick in the first round on Thursday, not in love with it, still necessarily like it, but I'll accept it and move on and welcome Chase as a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. Me, but me personally, if I was in charge and Burrow didn't have any input, I would have picked Sewell. Now, in defense of Cincinnati, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anyone in the media or see anyone on social media with meme pages. Or anyone else sit up here and saying, "Well, R.I.P. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's career. This Joe Burrow requests to trade this, that, and the other." When Joe Burrow is the reason why Chase got drafted, the reason why Chase is on the team is because Joe Burrow is the Bengals' quarterback, and he. 
must have had at one point in time or another input on who the Bengals should get with their fifth with their with the uh, with the with the uh, fifth pick in the first round on Thursday. If Burrow isn't on the team, Chase, uh, I, I, I'm willing to bet my life savings that if Burrow isn't on the team, Chase isn't on the team either. So I don't want to hear any meme pages, you know, on social media or hear anyone in the sports media say, well, R.I.P. Joe Burrow and 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 he should request a trade and then hold out like Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, this, that, and the other when when Burrow is the reason why Chase is on the roster. That that I that that I can't sit up here and listen to. I can't. Because anyone with half a brain would realize that Chase is on the team because Burrow's the starting quarterback. They were teammates at LSU when they won the national championship in 2019. But that, that I'm not going to accept, and that I, I, I can't sit up and listen to. I, I can't. That, that, I, that I will full fle- that I will 110% back, back the Bengals up on. That, that I will protect them and back them up on. It was. They'll never come out and say this, but it was Burrow's pick. It was uh, Burrow is why Chase is, is on the roster, not Duke Tobin or Mike Brown or 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 necessarily Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow was pulling the strings with that pick. Now, now, may, now, now that may have been the only pick that Burrow had input on, but still. Burrow was. If you don't think Burrow was pulling the strings behind behind the Bengals drafting Chase, you're naive. I'm sorry, you're naive. You're naive. And one and one more thing about Houston, I failed to mention in the previous segment. If you don't think that the sign stealing stealing scenario didn't carry itself into the postseason, didn't have an effect on what they did in the postseason, you're lost. You're naive and you're nuts. Who who in the who in the world cheats? During a 162 game season for for five for five months or so, and then all of a sudden gets into the playoffs, builds up a conscience and 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 and, and gets and gets a clue and has a come to Jesus moment, and all of a sudden stops cheating. If anything, when the cheating matters the most, when it's when it's playoff postseason baseball to determine a champion. That 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 I don't buy under any circumstances either. So I wanted to get that off my chest as well. And also, the uh, 2021 NFL uh, schedule is released next Wednesday. I'll be all over that uh, come the 12th of May. And then also, of course, I will have a show for you guys this upcoming weekend, breaking down and talking about all the things happening within the world of sports. But that is your show, and that is another episode of the Amitel Lacatelius podcast that is in the books. If you are new to the program, please subscribe if you haven't already. Share with your friends and family uh, as well. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow my brother Ian on Twitter. I think at Shields three twelve something like that. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it is. It's your boy Josh Shields. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. Get vaccinated if you haven't already. Talk to you Saturday. See you.